Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali Donovan Bennett here with you. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Marchese is off enjoying some turkey, no doubt, but uh, Donovan is unfortunately stuck with me for the next hour. Fortunately stuck with you? What are you talking about? I get to talk <laughs> football. I get to get your perspective on your Patriots. I get to work out my feelings, I guess is the best word to describe what I have now for my Dallas Cowboys. And uh, after spending a lot of extended time with family, I get a bit of break from the family. So this is this okay. is a, a privileged show. Well, it's nice to see you. It's nice to, get able to be able to do this with you. Uh, first of all, uh, speaking of your extended family, uh, what are the Bennett's do for thanksgiving like did they celebrate thanksgiving yesterday is that tonight what's the spread like great question so we on saturday were with my wife's family and okay. so that was lots of good food lots of good college football cfl football and then yesterday we're with my family and that's a lot of good uh, nfl football so um, i'm happy we got multiple uh, american and Canadian football games today, uh, but a bit of both, uh, home and away. Uh, nice for Thanksgiving in, in our family. We did much the same, actually. Okay, uh, yeah my my wife's parent, my wife's mom, I should say. We uh, had dinner with her and her brother on Saturday, and yesterday was my my family. And it's funny, this is actually the first year in which my family. So my my a lot of my family lives here, but a lot of my uh, aunts and uncles, my mom's sister, she is the youngest of seven. Wow. And a lot of her older sisters lived in Orlando, actually, for okay. much of our lives. And they, uh, this past year, like in 2023, have all moved back to Toronto. They have like, so they sold their houses. They have, they have, they've come back to Canada, come back to Toronto. And uh, so it was kind of the first Thanksgiving in many years in which everyone was at my parents' house. So it was uh, quite a full house. Although it, it did mean that I didn't get to watch the entirety of Dallas, San Francisco, and then I checked in on the final score, and I thought, you know what? I feel like maybe I didn't miss yeah, all that much. Yeah, you did not miss much, <laughs> certainly. Now, interesting that it went antithetical and moved from Florida north to Toronto and Canada and not the other way around as many snowbirds do. But, no, you did not miss much of uh, Niners-Cowboys. It was a beatdown. So you know, I like to start positive, Donovan. I don't know. I don't know what Marchese does. I like. To, I like to start. <laughs> I like to start on the positive you might as well side of things. Say, you don't know what talk radio does in 2023 because generally <laughs> extra negative. But brighten our day, show. Well, Brock Purdy has been great, and I mean, I didn't expect him necessarily to uh, slam your beloved Cowboys, but uh, in, in the preseason, I had written an article for Sportsnet.ca, which was it was the, it was entitled "X Factors to Watch for the 2023 Season." I, I missed on some certainly, and one I did put at the very end of the article was Brock Purdy, just because I wasn't sure what the elbow was going to look like and would he still operate. And I mean, it was a very quarterback friendly system, so he was definitely going to be kind of a getting a leg up. But it's he, he's still a guy where he's making the right decisions. He's moving very well. And I'm still, I think the jury's still out on whether or not, like, or how much perhaps Kyle Shannon is helping Brock Purdy and, and putting him in a position to succeed. But at the same time, Trevon Diggs or no for the Cowboys defense, they're still a good to great defense. And he was still doing, he was effectively doing whatever he wants, wanted last night after I watched the highlights. Find you a QB with the big Brock energy, like Brock Purdy right now, 10 and 0 in the regular season. So essentially, if he is starting a game and is able to finish it with ligaments in his elbow, the Niners win. Now, that happens to coincide with 
when they got Christian McCaffrey, who is a big deal. But if they didn't have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, we would be having a Brock Purdy or MVP conversation. Ooh, okay. And you're like, oh, come on. That's ridiculous. His team is stacked. 123.1 passer rating right now. Best in the NFL. Every broadcast, they start Mr. Irrelevant. Look what he's done, whatnot. We have to just look at what he is doing yeah. and not where he came from because, as we know, the Niners traded a bunch of draft capital and some reputation for Trey Lance, and that didn't work out, which I thought to myself when they are showing Trey Lance on the sidelines and Niners fans were chanting for him. Imagine if they just kept that draft capital. Yeah. How scary this roster would be, but again, that's not the way life works. There's a butterfly effect to all things. But if Brock Purdy was a early first round pick, a day one pick, and he was putting up these numbers, he would be on the cover of every magazine. He would have Madden. every endorsement. We would be saying this guy is the truth. We're not. And sometimes in life, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. And then it hits you in the face like a sledgehammer. You're like, all right, I can't question this. This is happening. Brock Purdy's doing that. The other quarterback for me where I was like that, Thomas Brady. Ooh. Sixth round pick. Uh, you know, the Patriots are loaded. He is throwing screens to tight ends. He's thinking and dunking. He's not really the guy. Drew Bledsoe, if he didn't get rocked, would, would be starting and putting up the same numbers. Uh, he's Peyton Manning. He's a real sheriff. He's throwing it all over the yard. Has no defense. He's actually the better quarterback of the era. And then Tom Brady got Randy Moss. And I was like, oh, actually, right. He is actually built different. I'm going to say, I'm not going to wait that long for Brock Purdy. Yes, he's got Debo. Yes, he's got Kittle. Yes, he has CMC. Yes, he has Cal Shanahan calling the plays. But Garoppolo had a lot of that stuff. Trey Lance had a lot of that stuff. Nick Mullins had some of that stuff. This offense has never looked this good. And... I remember when I was learning about football playing in university and really learning just the plays, but the culture and the rhythm of the game and how you win games. And it struck me, and I watch a game differently now. We look at your percentage and EPA on this play and what you do and whatnot as a quarterback. In any game, there's going to be around four plays. Maybe there's three, maybe there's six. There's going to be a small amount of plays that if you hit them, you hit them big, you're going to win. It's going to change the course of the game. And if you don't, you're probably going to lose. And all of that other stuff is filling. It is, you know, the, 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 the distraction. Those big plays are going to change. We can look at his numbers and, ah, he's not throwing for 500 yards. He's not, you know, putting up Stafford-type numbers when he was a lion. Brock Purdy makes three out of four of those big plays, four out of six of those big plays, five out of six of those Big plays, and that's why I think he's different than those other guys, and it's not just Shanahan. He has a real sense for the moment. There was a very pretty play, and I believe it was on the first touchdown to George Kittle, in which he drops back, and it, it seems so simple, and then he just kind of rolls out just to his right and on the run, kind of off his back foot, just lets one fly and hits Kittle, who manages to separate from the DB just enough in the end zone, gets a couple steps, catches it and the 49ers are very quickly up seven nothing 
And it's, I think you named a lot of the other quarterbacks that Cal Shanahan has had in his system. I'm not convinced a lot of them would make that throw. Like you can, you can scheme all the plays you want, and Cal Shanahan does a great job of this. Obviously, there was another very, very pretty play. Oddly, that the Lions had ran in the like earlier in the day. I don't know if you saw this. It was a play that was schemed up for uh, Sam Laporta, and he and it was one of those double reverses, hand back to the quarterback, Goff lasers it to Laporta for a TD. They did the exact same thing. Brock Purdy did to uh, to George. Kittle because that was very pretty as well but I just I'm not convinced there are very many quarterbacks who have the experience that Brock Purdy does which is to say not a lot that can do that that effectively and you're right the the sporting cast is excellent but I mean you you put in I don't know you put in Trey Lance you put in Mac Jones you put in Justin Fields I'm not convinced they would be able to do that in the same equally easy fashion CJ Beathard's not walking through that door (laughs) right and if he was, he wouldn't be playing nearly as well. I think it's an oversimplification to say, oh, man, Kyle Shanahan, he's so good, he could do with anybody. He made Matt Ryan an MVP. Yes, he is an incredible play caller and really an incredible teacher of offense and schemes, but you still need someone who can execute at a high level. You mentioned the Lions, and I think that's a very interesting comp. Because when I was watching that game, I said, okay, well, this is very clear. We thought there were three teams in the NFC that could win it all. San Francisco, Philly, would love to see what that rematch is like when Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt essentially at the beginning of the game and Christian McCaffrey goes from a running back to a quarterback for three quarters. And Dallas, no team has drafted more pro bowlers in the last five years than Dallas Cowboys. The roster stocked. Maybe this is the year they take the jump. No. Dallas is not in that equation. I do think there are three teams that could challenge to win a Super Bowl. Sure. Obviously, the Niners, undefeated. For me, the best team right now in football. If you had to do the power rankings on October 9th, which you don't have to do, but this is what we do, so we do this. Philly, who, quite frankly, outplayed the Kansas City Chiefs for the majority of the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes just happens to walk on water, even with a bad ankle. The third team in the NFC, that I believe can go to a Super Bowl. Windsor, Chatham, stand up. The Detroit Lions. <laughs> that's right. And you might think that's crazy. Detroit Lions coming on. They're happy to just be on primetime games and they're more worried about biting kneecaps than hoisting Lombardi. Look at the formula that they have quickly built. Get you a, get you a tight end that can block and catch. And you know what? Get him from Iowa. Is that what the Niners did? That's actually what the Lions did. Get you a couple backs that are really elusive and one of them that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Is that what the Niners did? That's what the Lions did. Get you a QB who needs it put on a plate for him, but if that's the case, can dial up those four to six big plays. Doesn't have to be all world, but serviceable. That's what the Lions did. And now get yourself a Big Ten defensive end that's going to get after the quarterback, get them down, because that's the most important thing. That's what the Niners did. That's what the Lions did. The Lions literally are built exactly the way the Niners are. Now, the Niners have been doing it for longer. They obviously have more talent defensively. But I'm looking at the baby Niners when I watch the Lions. I'm like, there's a recipe for success here. This is not a fluke that they beat the Chiefs week one. This is not a fluke that they've been a really tough out this regular season. I think those are the three best teams in the NFC. Yeah, no Jameer Gibbs, no Amon Ross St. Brown, no problem. No apparently. problem. And, and uh, St. Brown is another one. Ooh, get yourself a receiver that you could 
hand the ball to as a running back, has a bit of a chip on his shoulders because he wasn't drafted as high as he thought he'd be. Debo Samuel. Oh, Ross St. Brown. The Lions and the Niners are so, so, so similar. I don't know if Campbell is exactly a Greenlaw or a Warner, but pretty good linebacker. I, I, I love what Detroit has done, and I think they're going to really continue to surprise people. Donovan, what do you think of the idea? I, I agree with I you. I think it's a terrible way. idea. I don't know what it is, but I, I think <laughs> it's a it's terrible sucks. idea. Yeah. I, I, I wonder what, like, how, how you can parse, quote unquote, buy in, player buy in. Like, how, how, do you, how do you quantify player buy in? I, I mean, you can't, first of all, but, but when you look at what Dan Campbell has done for the Detroit Lions, because we all kind of figured, we all kind of knew to a certain extent what was, gonna, what was going on with the Eagles, a team coming off a Super Bowl trip. Same goes for the 49ers, been to the Super Bowl relatively recently, have a loaded cast. A little more question marks, I think, around the line, especially after last year in which you figured they would take an ascent. And it really does feel like from player 1 to 53 that all of these guys have, in effect, bought in. I I definitely don't want to, I I know you're not a huge fan of saying giving people their flowers, but uh, I I do want to give some flowers to Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, because I think he's done a great job and has helped to put Jared Goff and company in the best possible positions to make easy throws and to to succeed effectively. But we have gotten buy-in from the Lions, which is not something I feel like I have been able to say very many times in my adult life. We have, and it's funny. I thought his act is going to wear thin. Right. People are going to look at him and roll their eyes. And, you know, like, they, this is not college where you're only playing 11 games, maybe 12, and really only have to get up for three or four of them because you're going to win the rest on talent and recruiting. And you're only going to have these guys for two or three years. And so you could do these things and cycle a new group and then you know, play those same games again. But I think the Lions ultimately, you know, needed someone that just believed in them and believed that they were better than the historical circumstances of the organization. And, like, Montgomery is a great example. He was in division, someone they played against and scouted, someone who they thought was better than the way he was being utilized. And we kind of had our idea of what he was as a player. And... Dan Campbell's like, no, actually, I think you can be greater, and, and I'm actually going to trust you. And, yes, I know we drafted this running back that everyone wants to see, but you're going to be a leader on our team, and we're going to trust you in the red area. And he's been one of the best running backs and certainly a fantasy steal uh, in the game thus far. So I'll say this. If you believe the other side, that you can lose a team, right? that you can get up in front of assembled media, and say something that's going to lose your locker room or organization. Not that I want to talk baseball, but that has happened recently. Or you can take some shots at, you know, other coaches that are going to fire up a locker room and really deflate yours. Sean Payton. I think you can lose your team by not finding a way to connect. And so if I think that's true, I think the opposite then must be true, that you can gain a team. And there's a couple of docs that came out from the Kansas City Chiefs and their championship run last year. And one of the brilliant things that Andy Reid did was all those wacky red zone plays that, you know, seem like they're touch football plays and someone just drew in the dirt and they're running in real-life football. The group comes up with themselves. They practice them. They try them. They essentially pitch 
Andy Reid on them. It's like Shark Tank for trick plays. And he's like, you know, go, you know what? You might have something there. Let's work on it. Let's try it. And they give it funny names or whoever invented it gets to name it. What that creates is one, shows that you're not bigger than the entire group. If someone has a good idea, no matter where it comes from, we'll look at it and we'll take it seriously. But it creates buy-in because they're part of the process. But also they're invested because they hope it works because they hope that the snow globe play works. Right. And then an offensive lineman is catching a touchdown in the back of the end zone. And so I, I think we often say it's, it's play callers and it's players. And that's essentially what wins in football. And if that was the case, then we could hand the trophy out after the draft. I think there's a lot of intangibles that come into the game. And the Lions are checking every box when it comes to the intangibles of building a winning culture. Lions 4-1 and one, now on the season, just behind Donovan's other picks, the Eagles and the 49ers, both of whom are 5-0. and oh. uh, I noticed, Donovan, you did not pick contenders to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC, your Dallas Cowboys. Nope. No, sir. You did not pick them. Uh, is, no moss. Is, is, that a, is, that a, is that focused on one aspect of the team? Because this, it, it, the team just go, it goes beyond, like I said earlier, losing one player, albeit a star player when it comes to Trevon Diggs on the defense. But that his absence does not make your team give up 42 points to the San Francisco 49ers, no, no matter how good they are. Does it go to the, the limitations of Dak Prescott as a quarterback, like, do you, does Jerry need to Jerry Jones need to move on from Dak Prescott? Like, is that is that where we are? Because I have always found the conversations around the Dallas Cowboys to be a little larger than the other conversations around basically any other team in the NFL because they are the Dallas Cowboys. They are the most recognizable brand in the entire league and arguably one of the most recognizable brands in all of sports. So. Anything is a little more magnified. Everything is bigger in Texas, of course, as we know. Uh, I just is, is that where it starts for you, the, the play of Dak Prescott, or is it somewhere else? The great philosopher, Logan Roy, once said, you're not serious people. <laughs> he was talking about his children, but it is true for the Dallas Cowboys, which... It's a little it, analog to Jerry Jones, Logan Roy. It, very much so. Because uh, they are run like a family business, like... Success where you could do whatever you want. There aren't checks and balances. You don't have stakeholders with which to check with or shareholders to please. Because if you were a serious organization, things that would not happen. Your owner being your GM. Your owner having not one, but two weekly spots on a radio detailing what's going on with the team. If that's not enough press. Your owner holding court in the locker room after the game to assembled media and press, again, we talk about buy-in. If you're a player, if your coach is trying to tell you something, you're like, well, you're not the actual authority. The, the, the authority is over there. You, you actually have no say. Speaking of said coach, Mike McCarthy, who has wrestled play calling away from Kellen Moore, even though under Kellen Moore, in all metrics, the offense was the second best to the Kansas City Chiefs. So not the issue. Okay, you know better. It has to be your way or the highway. We've got this Texas Coast offense, which is his spin on the West Coast offense, but they're now in Texas. Number one, that doesn't make sense because there's another team in Texas that is actually closer to the coast. Number two, they actually are from the Shanahan tree, they being the Texans. So the offense that they're running is much closer to the West Coast 
than what McCarthy is running, who is further removed from working for the 49ers. And by the way, you don't get to name your offense a nickname unless it's really good. Like you can't just come out and start saying where the Texas goes. No, you're not. You're just an offense that's hoping to be good. And it's not. And it's archaic. And you essentially lied your way into a role, which, listen, a lot of people listening to this right now lied on their resume to get a job. That's kind of what happens. But you came to the party saying you spent some time away. You had listened. You had learned. You got a PFF account. You studied analytics for entire year. You said that you watched every snap of football that season, which, like, literally is impossible. Like, I don't know if we had to <laughs> figure out the time of every snap of football from every game over the course of a season and figure out if you could do that in a year. I don't think it's possible. But you lied to get this job just to get the job. And now all of the promises you made about being analytical folks and having pre-snap motion and, and you know, run pass options and giving your quarterback control at the line of scrimmage, none of that is happening. Your offense is so stale. There is no movement. It's essentially just, all right, well, like, you guys are good players. Go make plays. That works. That works when you have better players. Right. But in a hard cap league, you're not always going to have better players. So you need to do things to give your sometimes not better players a better advantage. Dak Prescott can be very good, but he also cannot be that good because he's not Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, or Patrick Mahomes. And so this is the issue with this team where, yeah, who have the Dallas Cowboys beat this year? They beat the two teams in New York sure. who are terrible. They beat the New England Patriots. No offense, Patriots fan. We now know they're terrible. They are terrible. Yeah, they are. The Dallas Cowboys are not serious people. They beat up on bad teams. And when they played an average team, a team that we thought was bad, but it's like tries hard, the Arizona Cardinals, or a legit good team, the San Francisco 49ers, they got the brakes beat off them. Did that answer your question? I think so. I don't know what the question was. I just need to get that <laughs> off my chest. Well, I, I just, I, I'm, what I'm afraid of even more for the Dallas Cowboys is that they will, they'll be that this out for Dak Prescott after this season. I know he signed the big extension, but he has, a, he has an out of the contract at the conclusion of the season prior to 2024. And they will, in theory, move on from him. But that's then what? The, that's the fear. But then, but then what? So here, I'll give you another fear. Okay. They sign him to an extension. There is not a negotiation with a high-profile player that Jerry Jones has won. Let's <laughs> let's go through the list. Every year, it's a holdout, and every year that player ends up getting exactly what they ask sure. for eventually. That's fair. Because Jerry loves all his children. Dak won his negotiation. Ezekiel Elliott won his negotiation. If you are going to... Give Dak a long extension. Pay him, pick your number, 40, 45 sure. million a year. I would say that would be the starting point if I'm Dak's representatives because Daniel Jones yeah, has Daniel got 40. Jones, yeah. And I'm much better than Daniel Jones. I've never lost to Daniel Jones. So you're going to give him $45 million a year. Sure, great. This is, this is who you're getting. Unlike Brock Purdy, who's getting better over time, you can't expect Dak Prescott at this point of his career to get better you hope he holds his line or that the decrease is not steep you're going to attribute more of your cap a higher percentage of your cap moving forward to this player that gives you less money to fill the roster around him and you, you got some people you got to keep 
Micah Parsons is looking at yeah. what Bosa's making, saying, yeah, hey, you, you got to pay me. You got Pollard for one year. Are you going to franchise him forever? Because that is expensive. You give him a long-term deal, again, expensive. So you have some real decisions to make. CeeDee Lamb is thinking, every other receiver is getting big-time money. What about me? If you do that, you are paying great money to what is a good player. And then how do you beat legitimate great players? Right like Patrick Mahomes, like Jalen Hurts, if you're paying similar money to them and not getting similar production and having less money to fill out the rest of the roster, if you had a coach who could scheme above that issue, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, then that's one thing. But it's also clear now that you don't. So is that is that a problem? And I think this is a problem that to a certain extent lies with the Patriots, but is that a problem that lies with the person constructing the team instead of the uh, the pieces he is using as the actual team. Like, is it like does this really fall on Dak Prescott's shoulders more than it falls on Jerry Jones's shoulders, much like in New England? And we can talk about the Patriots after the break, but on the Cowboys' side of things, I mean, is, is that just something that we have been complaining about for <laughs> for like a decades effectively as to how Jerry does business? Because it, it doesn't feel like this is particularly like new conversation, essentially. It's not Dak Prescott's fault. Dak Prescott is not a top 10 pick in the draft. He wasn't even a first-round pick. He has exceeded all expectations for what he was going to be when he was just supposed to be Tony Romo's backup. And he ended up stealing his job and becoming the franchise quarterback moving forward. Dak Prescott has been a above-average player. He's just not a great player. And so, to your point, we over-index this conversation because he is the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and they are on in prime time all of the time. But I, it's the huge question that two-thirds of the league has to figure out. The Miami Dolphins have two are playing at an MVP level. Yeah. They have to answer this question. Are we going to pay Tua what Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and, and not even Patrick Mahomes uh, is making? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. And, and I think it's a legit question that the Ravens, well, we know that they yeah. struggled with it because it took forever. And I'm still not sure if we know for sure they made the right choice and the right answer. It's It's... Where the sport is, this is why Kirk Cousins is not going to be a Minnesota Viking yeah. next year because they don't have a better option, but they know that paying him to be better than half the quarterbacks in the league but making more than 95% of them doesn't make any sense. And so that's why I think actually the, the two extremes is where you want to live. Figure out if you have one of those guys right. or go back in the lottery and try to get one. Try to get a Stroud. Try to hopefully be terrible and get Caleb Williams or or pick a diamond in the rough later in the draft and hope that you can develop them into something super special. Yeah, the cost of doing business when it comes to retaining your quarterback talent, no matter what the level of that quarterback talent is, is very high. Yes. It's incredibly high, which is why Daniel Jones is getting paid $40 million and Dak of the Cowboys end up keeping him long-term is going to get paid even more. Uh, I wonder, Donovan, what the cost of doing business in New England is. Well, it, it, before we get to that, and I think it's the same thing, I think this is, uh, lastly on this, I think this is somewhat of a new phenomenon. Sure. Like when we were growing up, 
you had franchise QBs, and they're really good, and they just stayed with that team. Right, forever. Forever. You, you Never did you have, okay, well, Derek Carr is going to this team, and Russell Wilson is going to this team, and Tannehill's there, but every year they're drafting another quarterback, trying to get him up out of there, and Kirk Cousins is there for now, and they'll franchise tag him forever, but he's not going to be there for a long time. I think this is relatively new because of the economics of the sport and the way that quarterback salaries have gone. Well, the cap is always going up. Does that mean quarterback salaries will also forever go up like for in in perpetuity forever is that going to happen forever now i guess but no other position is going up at the same right. rate right and when it does go up it goes up for the top three players at that position then everybody else falls in line relative to what like you actually shouldn't make based on a market for some reason with qbs there is no actual market the market is what did the last guy make right it doesn't matter if i'm better than him if i'm worse what did he make? I want a little bit more. But there's just a fear from front office people that will, like, the only thing worse than having an overpriced QB is not having one at all. And so I, I got to sign him to that money and then figure it out. I, I think it's actually much more prudent and risky to say, you know what? I'm going to go back in the draft. I'm going to go get a young one and build my team around them for the first couple years of their career how many qbs other than patrick mahomes have won a super bowl not on their rookie deal with the team that drafted them good heavens none russ russell wilson won as a as a rookie as a cheap rookie with the team that drafted now stafford obviously won on a different team a different team yeah you know tom brady took less money forever so he never was at the top percent but the the top five earning qbs essentially never win the super bowl it's kind of wild too that the uh, I be- I believe the only active quarterbacks in the NFL who have won MVP I believe are just simply Patrick Mahomes and I think Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson oh and certainly Lamar Jackson as well but the point is that the going rate is going to mean that going forward like when we had the Brock Purdy conversation to start this segment when Brock Purdy's rookie deal ends and if he's still playing quarterback at this level for the San Francisco 49ers is he going to get 50 million dollars like Pro- why why shouldn't he I guess yeah probably Probably. And the Niners, because they know Kyle Shanahan can design offense for almost anyone, they might say, well, peace, Brock. We'll, we'll, we'll find, find someone else. Someone else. <laughs> it, the only issue is they thought they were going to do that with Jimmy Garoppolo and that someone else was Trey Lance, and that didn't actually work out. No, it's true. It's it's pretty wild. It reminds me of the Sam Bradford contract. I remember when Bradford was drafted by the Rams in St. Louis, and, and uh, he was going to be like the next big thing. And this is before they changed what quarterback contracts look like. And you had, you, you just sign your, your deal for whatever draft pick you were, you were taken with. And that looked like it was going to curb the idea of, of first round rookies or really rookies in general, signing just gargantuan deals based on how good of an agent you had and just where you were taken in the draft. And that the the renegotiation when the CBA was in theory supposed to put an end to this, but in it, it, I guess it did. But it also now has just made what like you were saying the going rate just continually rising for everyone. And you're right. I mean, you look at running backs. Running backs are not are not getting a part of this this pie. Defense some some defensive players are not all defensive players. Some wide receivers are not all wide receivers. Same goes for tight ends and offensive linemen and so on. It's really just the quarterback position that you see this happen to. Well, and it's. Positions that impact the quarterback. So if you are a left tackle, a defensive end, a cornerback, or a number one receiver, you too can get a right. nice raise. Anybody else, uh, status quo. You're, left left guard? Yeah, no. Because that doesn't impact the quarterback right. in the same way. But I, you, 
are really smart to bring up Sam Bradford because I think that is exactly why average to good quarterbacks are getting big money because how many stores do we have? Whether it is Sam Bradford, Sam Darnold, sure. uh, Mitch Trubisky, potentially Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. There are so many QBs that have come out of the draft that people were really excited about. They were supposed to be game changers, and they were quickly not even starters. So, you know, life comes at you fast when you have a first-round QB. You better figure out a way to be a championship-contending team in the first three years of that QB's deal or move on from them and get someone else in there. And that's why I think some people would rather... You know, dance with the devil that you know, even though you know it's an overpay, then going to the draft knowing that so many big time QBs flop, and then that has just derailed your authorization for three seasons. Speaking of uh, first round rookies, a trio of first round rookies we saw in action yesterday Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. The, the results, uh, let's say Donovan, have varied for all yes. three of them, and uh, another first round rookie in Mac Jones not having the greatest no. uh, third season of his career. So let's take the break, and when we come back, we will talk about all four of those guys, maybe take a look around and see the other uh, com- competitive teams for the Super Bowl glory around the National Football League as well. That's Donovan Bennett. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown. Show Ali, Donovan Bennett with you on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Marquise getting the day off, but he'll be back tomorrow as he uh, helps Donovan recap week five in the NFL. I'm sure you guys will talk about Raiders-Packers, which goes a little later on tonight to wrap up the week five slate. But uh, Donovan, I did want to have the rookie conversation with you. Today, of course, all three of the top three quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL draft have all essentially started all year. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I have been pleasantly surprised by Anthony Richardson. Like, considering this is a guy who's... The, the word attached to Anthony Richardson all throughout the draft process and all throughout his time prepping to take over as a starter in Indianapolis was raw. That was the word being attached to him. And he's looked certainly raw at times. All rookies usually do, but he has been very good. Unfortunately for Anthony Richardson, uh, his his play style perhaps, his very physical play style has has landed him on the sidelines with injuries. I, I want to say in three of the four games he's played or four of the five games he has now played. And uh, the news coming down, I guess it was yesterday, that he suffered a grade three AC shoulder sprain. So he will be on the sidelines on the shelf for about a month. And it does perhaps beg the question of, are are you now worried about the long-term future of Anthony Richardson? Because he's a very physical quarterback. Yes. And yes. So he's been knocked out of three or four games. By all accounts, that's not good. Indianapolis Colts fans know all too well what it's like when your quarterback is essentially a crash test dummy. That's why Andrew Luck is no longer their quarterback and no longer a quarterback for anybody. He is coaching high school football. All of the comps of Richardson coming out of the combine were, this is a faster Cam Newton. 
if you took Cam Newton's power and Lamar Jackson's speed and put them into one person, this is what you have. This is literally the best athlete that's ever tested at the Combine in Indianapolis. And that's true. Cam Newton's career, I would say, had a more rapid attrition than you'd expect out of most quarterbacks because he was essentially a quarterback and a goal line runner. Right. We haven't even fully expanded what they can do physically with Anthony Richardson yet, and he still can't stay on the field. He he hasn't even been able to play, you know, much with Jonathan Taylor, and that was the whole dream of, man, what an amazingly talented backfield. How could you stop any zone read with these two? So definitely concerned. I actually feel when he has played, he's answered the questions about his ability to process defense and to throw on time, on rhythm with accuracy. I think he's been much better with that than most people expected. The problem is he hasn't been able to stay on the field. I thought that would be an issue for Bryce Young, who essentially is the same size as me. (laughs) And he's had a little bit of an injury, Nick, but nothing overly serious. He just hasn't really commanded that offense. And maybe that's the lack of playmakers around him. But coming into this year, we thought of the three, the one who was set up not to succeed, CJ Stroud. He doesn't have playmakers around him. Well, he's making them playmakers. And so if you're Houston and you got Stroud at two and then you got Will Anderson at three, who is really the QB of that defense, you feel real good about what those guys are going to set you up for the future. And you're in a great spot because you still have more draft capital with which to spend in upcoming drafts. CJ Stroud, Donovan, I was just trying to think if I want to phrase this. CJ Stroud is someone who I'm not sure I had, I don't want to say any expectations, but the track record for quarterbacks coming out of Ohio state is, uh, it's not great. Right. And I, I was, I, Freely admit, I fell victim to the thought process that C.J. Stroud, on a team that looked somewhat bereft of direction when it came to the Houston Texans, at a point where Davis Mills looked like he could, in theory, be the future of that franchise, and and then C.J. Stroud comes in and did did not seem to get very many very many pieces to help him, has gotten good contributions, and I think to your point, he has been the one helping them make this contribute these contributions from Tank Dell. I'm not sure I expected that. Certainly, Nico Collins has taken another step forward. I think we in Canada hope for uh, Calvin Mechie Jr. to become a part of that. Uh, John Mechie Jr., pardon me, to to become a a part of that going forward. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. We'll have to see. But C.J. Stroud, I have been very pleasantly surprised by. I believe he set a record for most passes thrown by not even a rookie, by any quarterback to start their career without throwing an interception. I think for... For rookie quarterbacks, who really I think, especially ones who are who are given the the permission effectively to do whatever they want and and certainly run the plays that are called, but make the the tough throws, you often will see some ugly picks, no matter how highly these guys have been taken. But CJ Stroud has, even if he's not throwing, having gaudy numbers, he is just uh, he's avoiding making the mistake that cripples the Texans, and as a result, they have been for the most part. 
for what, again, relative to expectations, pretty competitive week in and week out. It's been very competitive. And when you looked at him in the situation, we thought, well, not a lot of playmakers. going to be pretty tough. But Texans are going to let him throw it. They're going to let him figure it out and learn through his mistakes. And he's going to have a long leash. Well, they've let him throw it, and he hasn't made mistakes. And this is a team with a new head coach, a new head coach who is defensive-minded and D'Amico Ryan. So it's not like a QB whisperer is bringing him along offensively. He's just been that dude. And there is a real tax on a prospect that's at the QB position coming out of Ohio State. You mentioned it, and for our listeners who don't necessarily know the history, how far do you want to go back? Whether it's Terrell Pryor or Troy Smith or the late Dwayne Haskins. Right. Or now, you know, Fields, Ohio State QBs haven't transferred well into the NFL. And some feel, well, you just have so much talent at Ohio State and in a conference in the Big Ten. It's not the fastest. And so your talent really plays relative to those defenses. And you are just not throwing to such big windows in the NFL. And thus, those QBs haven't been able to make the transition. I would also say, the best QB that's been on campus at Ohio State and made the transfer to the NFL is Joe Burrow. Sure. He just didn't end up playing at Ohio State. He transferred (laughs) and played at LSU. But that's what we do. We look for comps, and sometimes we don't evaluate individually. We we try to look for comps to be a predictor of success or lack thereof. And I felt it at the time that if you just evaluated Stroud's tape on his own, he would be the number one pick in the draft, but he went to Ohio State, so he's going to pay that tax. And at the same level, Bryce Young, if you just evaluated his tape on his own, I didn't think he was going to be the number one overall pick, but what has recently come out of Alabama, Tua, and Jalen Hurts, and you know Mac Jones doesn't look great now, but had a good uh, rookie season relative to the expectations. So even though Alabama, for the majority of their program's history was anything but a QB factory. Of recent memory, they produced a bunch of star QBs, and thus people thought, oh, Bryce Young would be the next one. And again, that hasn't been the case thus yet. I don't blame Bryce Young too, too much. There are a lot of other issues going on with Carolina, most notably perhaps. like And I think this is going to hurt any quarterback to play the offensive line because he is he's a smaller guy, like you said, and uh, he has been one of the, I think along Sam Howell, one of the most contacted quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Uh, you mentioned his alma mater, Alabama, and one of his uh, also former, uh, maybe not teammates, but a guy he certainly came from his same school is is Mac Jones. And the Patriots, Donovan, to, to end the show, look terrible. They are a god-awful team. And I, you know, we kind of had this conversation about Jerry Jones and does it all go back to Jerry and w- which I do think a lot of it, if not all of it, does. But is that the same? Is that the same case for the Patriots? Because you can you can make a lot of you can make a lot of criticisms. Like they have they have a million injuries on defense. They have the, a million injuries on the offensive line. They have don't 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 have a lot of weapons. Mac Jones doesn't seem to. He's not making great throws, even when he does have time. There are a litany of issues with this team. But instead of saying, okay, well, it's an, the excuse is on this part of the team that's not performing, it's on that part of the team that's not performing, it's on this other part. Th- doesn't that like all go back in, effectively to the person who built this team, who 
is Bill Belichick, right? <laughs> like the, it, it, for, a, for a legendary coach, there's no question about it. But after a certain point, like if, if Tom Landry can be fired, Bill Belichick can be fired. No question. This is all at the feet of Bill Belichick, who it looks like the game is quickly passing him by. His mentor, Bill Parcells, the big tuna, said famously, you are what your record says you are. You can talk about, oh, we're doing this, we're turning this way. You're all what your record says you are. That is the feedback that matters. The record is terrible. And quite frankly, it could be worse if you put on the tape. If we were judging this football team in a vacuum, we would ask for any other coach to be fired. Now, there's contacts there. Obviously, he is the greatest, arguably, coach of all time. He is chasing... Don Shula for the all-time wins record. Everyone, including the Kraft family, wants to see him get that record in a Patriots uniform. Only problem is there's not a lot of winning happening. You might have to stay until he's 90 to get there. (laughs) Zero TDs on their last 34 drives offensively. He just suffered the worst loss as a head coach in his last two games. It was like his worst loss. Hold my beer. Worst loss again. Worst home loss. 34 points. They've got consecutive losses by 30-plus points. First time since 1970 that's happened. And how do they start the game? Eight punts, three turnovers, two turnovers on downs, and a missed field goal. Donovan, there was a point in yesterday's game. They were down 24 nothing. There was about 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. They're on the 40, the Saints' 40-yard line, and they punted yeah. it was like fourth and two or something they're not 24 points like what is i i can't help but think that is a message from bill belichick not not necessarily to like the craft family but just to your team saying you know what you guys stink and you know what i have no faith in you but you know what that's fine but then you have to hold a mirror up yeah and bill belichick loves to say his mantra is do your job right it was your job to pick the players, yeah. which you did. It's your job to pick the coaches, which you did. It's your job to coach the players, which you did. So ultimately, you can say they stink, but you stink because you put this together <laughs> thinking it was going to be a good team. Let's not have revisionist history. We thought the AFC East was going to be really tough because we thought four teams thought they could win it. Yeah. And four teams thought they could push for a Super Bowl. The defense was great coming into this year. All they need to do is get the offense going. They were going to have, I don't know, an adult leading the the offense who's called plays before and not having a co-offense between Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, a special teams coach previously and a defensive coordinator previously when they weren't head coaches that were terrible. To me, this reeks of arrogance where you think, oh, I don't need them. Offensive play caller, someone who's cut their teeth in offense. I'm just going to anoint these guys because they're my guys. Oh, I don't need pre-snap motion. Oh, I don't need to draft a wide receiver that's good. I mean, they try. They just haven't. I don't, we don't need playmakers because we scheme everything up. We don't need an athletic quarterback because that's the way the game is moving. No, we've had a statue in the pocket forever. We can do that again. No, that statue you had in the pocket was the greatest player of all time. You don't have him anymore. <laughs> And so your margin for error is gone. And Bill Belichick cut his teeth on being very flexible. He brought in a 3-4 defense when no one was doing it. Then 
nose tackles got too expensive and the market changed. He's like, you know what? I'm going to a 4-3. And he left what he made popular to do this other thing. All of a sudden, when passing numbers were huge, wide receivers got expensive. So he said, you know what? I'm going to build my offense around two tight ends. When one of them happened to be a serial killer, he said, all right, I'll build my offense over one tight end. He's always been able to adapt, and I don't see that at all in this team. I think that's why I think he's lost his fastball. I just, I wonder how much longer the Kraft family will say this is acceptable. Because Robert Kraft has been able, he's, he's gotten the, the luxury of being able, being able to be like, eh, you know what, not my, I don't really have a lot to do here. Bill's got it. Tom's got it. I don't really, don't really have a lot of work to do here. There's a, there's a lot of work here. So Donovan, I, I, I'm not sure what happens. I, I, I don't think Bell Belichick gets fired this season in season, but I think there's a real good chance it happens in the off season and that the person making the top three pick for the Patriots in next year's draft is, is not one Belichick. Well, it would be one thing if they had a built in succession plan on the staff, Bill O'Brien, maybe some people thought it would be him. Well, that's not looking as good right now. Could be one of those emails that come out across the, the uh, office where it's like, so-and-so has decided they're going to retire. Like, sure they did. You decided they're going to retire. It's going to be a lot of a lot of question marks in New England. I think between now and the end of the season, uh, my hope, personal hope is that they score more than three points in their next game. Oh. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's an easy ask. I, I think your personal hope should be they get the number one overall pick <laughs> in the draft because they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> Look, if the if the Bears, Panthers, and if the Bears have two uh, the first two picks in the draft, maybe maybe Caleb Williams doesn't go number one. It seems unlikely he's going number one yeah. probably. Drake may probably go in number two. Marvin Harrison probably going number uh, probably number three, but. It's going to be a fun offseason, I think, for everyone, uh, not Patriots fans. But uh, this is a lot of fun. I don't get to do this with you very often. So thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. And uh, thank you for also uh, making Going Deep podcast what it is. So if you like this, make sure you listen and subscribe to that. That is Donovan Bennett. I'm Show Ali. You've been listening to The Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese returns tomorrow to help wrap up the Week 5 slate. We'll talk to you later.